Hello, everyone, and welcome into today's edition of To The Point Podcast. Everybody's doing well on this rainy day, but we are back uh, falling a few days away. Um, sorry about that, but uh, I've been watching some some great women's hockey over the past uh, couple of days, um, including a thrilling game yesterday where the uh, UNB uh, Varsity Reds came back from 4-1 to one down uh, in the third period to rally to beat uh, McGill. Um, so was in attendance uh, for that in uh, in PEI uh, yesterday, though. Uh, so obviously, uh, my sister Tally plays on the team, and uh, it was thrilling. It was fun to be in a rink with a big crowd. So that was good to get kind of back to normal a little bit, and then to see them ultimately come out on top and advance to the semifinal was great to see. So, so they'll be in the um, semifinals tomorrow. Uh, looking forward to that, but that's where that's what I've been doing the past couple of days. But a lot has transpired um, since then, and in the sports world, we're going to get into all of it today. Uh, Walker Campbell is going to stop by in about an hour's time to or talk about a couple different things. Um, going to get into some NBA storylines. We're going to talk about the Tyreek Hill trade to the Miami Dolphins and um, some big picture uh, NHL thoughts um, as well. But I want to start today with March Madness. And that is what, you know, been off for a couple days, no March Madness since the weekend. And it came back in full bloom last night where two number one seeds in Gonzaga and in um, Arizona get beat last night. And oddly enough, I had those two teams in the final. So go figure. But the big shocker to me was Gonzaga losing to Arkansas. I felt Arkansas was not a very tough opponent. I felt Gonzaga would get out of that game pretty easily. After watching the first couple of games, I thought Houston would beat uh, Arizona, which they did quite easily. But, you know, Gonzaga, it, it's a puzzling story because they are an elite program with no results. They've been on the college the NCAA map for a decade now. They are a blue blood. They are now, you know, they're not just, oh, that school from out West that gets to play in a weak conference. No, they are, they are a school that finishes overall number one, three of the last four years, has gotten to the final four, two of the last four years, has produced elite talent. Jalen Suggs went fifth in the draft last year. You know, Adam, it's not just the days of Adam Morrison where, you know, is he really going to be a great NBA player? This school now is getting players that are one and done, that play one year at Gonzaga, that go to the NBA. You know, there's a good chance they may have the number one overall pick this year with Chet Holmgren. But there's two different stories because there's in college basketball, it's a lot different than it was, say, even 20 years ago, where in in this tournament, you knew the players. You knew the players more than the coaches because you had players stick around for long periods of time. The Fab Five at Michigan. You had you had players that played more than one year that would stay, you know, I mentioned the Adam Morrises, the Christian Leitner, Michael Jordan at North Carolina. Guys built legacies based on more than just one season, more than just one season of success. That's different. It's not, it's not saying that this new era is worse, but now it's okay. Let's, 
let's get what we can out of these guys. Normally they're there for one year. They go to the NBA. We move on. But in this case, I for Gonzaga, do they have new players? Yes, other than Drew Timmy. But they did bring back two regulars from last year, and Andrew Nemhard, the Canadian, and Drew Timmy, who has been one of the best players in college basketball for a number of years. And they still have Mark Few, who's been there for over 20 years, who's turned down jobs to stay at Gonzaga. And yet they still can't find a way to win a national championship. In, in a position where they were on a collision course to play Duke, which we'll get to uh, momentarily, they come up short. And, I mean, it's, it's hard to figure because I look at Drew Timmy. He looks like a younger Kevin McHale in the paint to where he can finish and also pass out of it to find guys with open threes. He's a great player. Chet Holmgren, you know, I could look at the officials last night. I didn't love the officiating. I thought there was a lot of ticky-tack calls. Um, but at the same time, I don't think he has, has had a, as big of an impact on games as I thought he would. I thought in the opening game against the 16th seed, he looked dominant. But last night and even in the second round, I felt he he blocked shots, which you expect from him. He's seven feet tall. But I still think he gets pushed around in the paint. I still think he puts himself in bad positions. And ultimately, that leads to Gonzaga, him fouling out, not being available late in the ballgame. Um, Nemhard, they're all good players, good guards. But to be perfectly honest, I just don't think Gonzaga has clutch players. The past two years, they've, they've had the two best teams, in my opinion. They should have beaten Baylor last year. They should have beaten the Arkansas Razorbacks last night. I like Arkansas. I had Arkansas as one of the teams I thought would be sneaky in this tournament. But Gonzaga, Arkansas, it's not close. And I just look and I said, you had all this talent. Drew Timmy had the option to close last year. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it again this year. He had over 20 points last night. But there were 20 points that were not as meaningful as the box score would have liked you to see. They weren't, okay, in the clutch moments, we need you to get a bucket, hit a big three, get an and one. He missed two layups late in the games, and then Arkansas went down and made free throws. They just it's – it's frustrating because I just think you're, you're seeing a lot of talent there. You know, J.D. Note, who's a, who's a good player for Arkansas, had a really terrible game last night. I like him a lot, but he settled for the three ball. He shot nine – sorry, shot two for 12 from three. Terrible percentage. Late in the game, he was asking for Gonzaga to win. He kept firing up threes, wasting possessions, where Gonzaga just couldn't make him pay for it. He got bailed out by Gonzaga's inability – to score late in the ballgame. And it wasn't going to be Timmy. Holmgren was out. Nemhard isn't really that guy. Bolton is a catch and three, catch and a shoot three pointer. But I just look at this team and they're missing something about it when it comes to that clutch gene. When it comes to this school is on the map, but it's not truly on the map for me yet. Gonzaga cannot be considered a top-notch program. It can't be thrown in with the likes of UCLA, 
Duke, even Texas Tech. Texas Tech has gotten a national championships. They've won one in the past decade. Gonzaga has never won a national championship. They're not the North Carolinas. They're not these schools. But you look at it. Mike Krzyzewski's been coaching forever, but Duke gets to an Elite Eight last night. They had to battle against Texas Tech, but they had guys show up. More often than not, Duke finds a way to win these big games. Do they get really good talent? Yes. But Gonzaga is getting top-notch recruits as well. They're With the transfer portal and NCAA, guys are leaving schools to go to Gonzaga because they view it as a great opportunity, which it is. Get to go play there. You know you're going to likely win your conference. You're going to have a top-notch chance in the NCAA tournament. But for Mark Few, for this program, for it truly to be elite, they need to win. I don't know if they will. Because it's every year, well, and I got suckered this year. I thought they'd win it. But I look at the draw. They would have had to play Duke, which I think is going to be a tough matchup. The more I watch Duke, the more I like them. But I look at Holmgren and Nemhard. Uh, so, and uh, and uh, Pancaro, Paolo uh, uh, Pancaro, who plays for Duke. Pancaro has been a really, I think he's had a really good tournament. He makes clutch threes. What I like about him, I don't know how good he's going to be at the NBA level. I do think he can be a good player. I don't, his position is interesting. Like I, I think he, I think he views himself as a three, you know, as a LeBron, the, the wing player. I'm not sure he might have to play power forward, but and does he make mistakes with the ball? Sometimes he's indecisive. And he'll have it, and he knows he should shoot the three, but he holds up, and then he throws a pass that makes no sense late in the shot clock. He still has his warts. But I view him, and he's not afraid to shoot that three late. Last night against Texas Tech, tie ball game, 221 left. He scorches a three, goes back down the other end, plays really good defense. And Duke's not a good defensive team. But Gonzaga has a ton of talent. So does Duke. Duke's finding a way to win these games. They had a battle against Michigan State. They outscored them. Last night against Texas Tech, they didn't let them – their defense could not smother Duke. Bancaro was big. Jeremy Roach, he's another guy. I think he's going to be an NBA player. He's an undersized guard. But look at Steph Curry. Look at some of these guys. They're finding a way to play well in, the, in today's modern NBA. And I think – he'll have that same opportunity. But some it's the school, but it's also the players. Like Gonzaga just hasn't had that Duke. I think you can feel it. I think they're playing for something. Obviously, this is Mike Krzyzewski's last stand. Every Duke game is a must-watch for me right now because it could be his last game. He is, His last game could be Saturday night when they play Arkansas. If he wins that one... He has two potential games. What what a story would be if Mike if Coach K goes out winning the national championship. The Cinderella story. What an ending. It could happen. I like them against Arkansas. I think they're going to win that game. Um, I know Arkansas snuck by and beat Gonzaga, who I didn't think they would. And but Duke will be favored. 
a two against a four seed. But I like Duke going to the Final Four. And you look at their draw, they're either going to play Purdue, St. Peter's, UCLA, or North Carolina. There's a lot of interesting matchups there. But to me, it doesn't matter who they play, they'll be favored. But, you know, it's just another season of Gonzaga. When's it going to be their time? When are they going to... Because to me, they're still a school that's not top-notch. They're not on the map yet when it comes to the elite of the elite. You need to win to get there. To have that status. They got to an NCAA, They got to the, uh, the national championship game last year, but they lost it. They got so close, but yet so far. Now, they need to regroup because Chet Holmgren's going to the NBA. I didn't think Drew Timmy was going to be an NBA player. I don't... He might be an undrafted guy, but the more I watch him, I think he can be. He's not athletic, but he can shoot the three. He's got a good mid-range game. I think he's a really smart passer out of the post. So maybe you know I, he has another year of eligibility. I wouldn't be surprised if he does come back to Gonzaga because I think he'll want to get his schooling because I don't think it's a lock that he plays in the NBA. We'll see. Nemhard from Canada, they, a lot of people thought he'd come out last year. Came back for another season. I suspect he'll be going to the NBA this year. So it'll be another crop of players. I mean, that, that's the that's the modern NBA. That's the modern uh, college basketball. Houston's rare because they brought a lot of pieces back. And the crazy thing about the Houston Cougars, they went to the Final Four last year. They're missing two players, two starters off their team with injuries out for the season. And yet they get to the Elite Eight, beating Arizona last night. I don't Houston is a scary team because I just don't see a weakness. They shoot the three very well. They're extremely confident. I just look at they went against Arizona last night and there was no fear. They'll shoot any shot. They know Coloco Mahatherin, two really good players. But they just attacked. They didn't come in timid. They didn't come in and I think I mean, you look around. So far, Arkansas has advanced to the Elite Eight. They play in the SEC, the only SEC school, SEC school left. Duke plays in uh, the ACC. We'll see what happens there. Villanova plays in the Big East. That's three different conferences represented. Then you have Houston. They play in the American Athletic Conferences. So four teams in the Elite Eight so far, all four in different conferences. We'll see what happens. North Carolina plays UCLA tonight. If UCLA wins that game, that's a Pac-12 school. That's five. Purdue, that'll be the Big Ten if they beat St. Peter's. St. Peter's wins, that's the MAC. That's potential six conferences with six teams that I've named so far. Kansas, Providence. If Kansas wins, which I think they will, that's the Big 12. That's seven different conferences represented of the seven teams I've named so far. Miami, Iowa State. We'll see. Miami is from uh, the ACC. So there's a good chance we're going to see six to seven different conferences represented in the Elite Eight tonight, which I think is really cool because it shows the balance. It shows, you know, you think you know. And I look at it and I'm like, oh, I think I know who's going to win. I thought Houston was going to win last night. They did. The more I like Houston Villanova is going to be a very intriguing game because Houston to me, has a lot of ballers. I just I look at them. They look confident. 
I think they're ready to play. Villanova doesn't have one particular player that really would say, okay, that guy looks awesome to me. If you had a, a family member that doesn't watch basketball and you watch Villanova, I don't think they'd go and be like, well, that Jalen Samuels is a really good player. Or, you know, Colin Gillespie can really shoot the three. Or, you know, Dickinson can really guard. I don't think there's one guy. But Villanova is a team. They can score in bunches, but it's not going to be one guy scoring 40. It's going to be 10, 10, 10, 10. Or Houston might have one guy go off. So Villanova has a lot of strengths. They are the best free throw shooting team uh, so far. So far, this whole in this season, they're shooting 83%. That's the greatest single season free throw shooting team in the history of NCAA basketball. So that's something that you can't foul them. You can't put them on the line because they're going to make you pay. They have strong three point shooting. Um, the one thing about uh, Villanova is they don't have great protection in the paint. They, um, they don't have guys that really – that can guard, that, that can guard in the paint. And that's something that I think Michigan didn't take advantage of last night. Hunter Dickinson had took a bad – it was a bad night for him to have a bad game because Dixon is not a five. He doesn't guard well. He, he's more of a – he's a more of a power forward. They play him at center. So I think Houston's got to look – go to the paint early, see if he can make them pay. And then you, you still have your outside shooting. But both these teams are really good. And there's a lot of really good storylines. I mean, Houston was in the Final Four last year. They have the opportunity to go back. Villanova has been to more Final Fours in the last 10 years than any other school. Uh, Duke with Coach K. Uh, North Carolina, UCLA tonight. That's two blue bloods. Um, UCLA was in the Final Four last year, losing to Gonzaga. You got... North Carolina, who for a lot of the season weren't ranked. They only got ranked the second last week of the season after beating Duke, and they kind of went on a little bit of a run. But now all of a sudden, they got Brady Manick. They, they, got, they got guys balling out, and they look like a really confident team and a team that might have the potential to go far. St. Peter's, the ultimate Cinderella story, the 15 seed, the Peacocks, small school in New Jersey. They got Purdue tonight. I'm interested to see what they can do. Purdue's got two of the best big men in the tournament in Zach Ede and Travion uh, Williams. They both can score 15 to 20 points. And the Peacocks aren't big. They don't have a big that can guard these guys. So I want to see how the Peacocks address this. If they, I could see them playing some zone defense, trying to keep these guys out of the paint because it's going to be offensive rebound show for Ede all night. I, if I was Purdue, I start him tonight. You can always bring in uh, Williams to spot him, but early on, get the offensive rebounds, start getting the Peacocks in foul trouble, and that really sets up well for Purdue to have success. Kansas, Providence tonight. I mean, Kansas is a better, but Providence just finds a way to, to hang in there. They find ways to compete and they're a four seed, but I think a lot of people a lot of people had them losing to Vermont in the first round. But they're still here. Two ones got knocked out yesterday. So anything can happen in this tournament. It wouldn't shock me to see Providence. And then you got a number 10 Miami playing number 11 in Iowa State. So I, I thought the basketball was great last night. Um, hurts my sleep schedule, not going to lie. But um, 
well worth it because I think you get to see a number of great players. I mentioned JT Note. I like Williams a lot from Arkansas. He had a big impact on them winning last night. Paolo Prancaro. Mark Williams continues to impress from Duke, the center. Uh, Jeremy Roach, like I said, I think he'll be an NBA player. So four games on tap tonight. Then you got two tomorrow, two Sunday before the final four next weekend in New Orleans National Championship a week from Monday. And Matt Wright will join me on Monday as he did last week. We'll get into um, the madness. We'll touch on the entire weekend, but great start. And yeah, now every every Duke games must see because you want to see if it's Coach K's last stand, what happens there. So we'll get into all of that on Monday. But yeah, great, great games last night. Um, pivoting to the NHL. Trade deadline's coming on. Rosters are set. Trades happen, although the, the Vegas one for Dadnoff didn't go through. But quietly over the last month, you know, the Atlantic division, the playoff teams have been set for a long time. But in the Atlantic, it's always been Tampa, Florida, Toronto. But under the surface, quietly, the Boston Bruins have been gaining ground. And, you know, I saw it. And I'm like, well, these teams have games in hand. But they kept losing them. Boston kept finding ways to win. And now you look up. The Boston Bruins, with their win last night against Tampa, with David Pasternak scoring, uh, getting a, a hat trick, getting to 36 goals for the season, and scoring a clutch goal with a little over four minutes left. The Boston Bruins surpassed Tampa Bay for third in the Atlantic and now are sitting tied with the Toronto Maple Leafs, although Toronto has a game in hand. So both, te both teams staring at each other as we head into the, the the stretch run of the season where it's going – now it's all about a battle. It's all about seeding. Toronto, Tampa, Boston. And in saying all of this, I think Boston's playing great. I think Charlie McAvoy is having his greatest season yet as a pro. I've always been a big fan. Um, I remember when he got his big contract, I think it was a lot of – well, he can't do it. He's not a great – he's not a number one defenseman. He absolutely is. Is he Roman Yossi? No. Is he Petrangelo? No, but he's he's his own style. He is a tough bastard to play against, and that's as valuable to me as getting a whole bunch of points. He is – between him and Carlo, I love the way they play. Boston is one of the stingiest defensive teams in hockey, and I credit Bruce Cassidy for this because – the Bruins don't have great goaltending. They have good goaltending. I think Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark are both solid, but neither one of them have proven that they can be a number one goaltender in the NHL. And if any Bruins fans, if you have a, if you have a different opinion, I, uh, I'll have that conversation with you, but I guarantee you we probably won't agree because both these guys are, are good twos right now. They're both a good tandem, but – I think what Boston does is they play so well defensively, they bail out and they swim in. Allmark will make big saves when called upon, but it's not, okay, we need Swayman to ball out tonight. We need Linus Allmark to be the hero. They just, they put them in positions to succeed and they do it. And it's a lot of it's based on their defensive play. But 
when I when I look at it in the home stretch, still a lot of games to go, but I'm gonna bring it back to the Toronto Maple Leafs because that's everybody loves to talk about Toronto, but I do think I think this is true. If I'm a Leaf fan, seeing Boston get that third spot is the absolute best case scenario for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't believe the Toronto Maple Leafs can beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in a seven-game series. I just don't. I don't believe they're going to beat Florida. I think they'd have, they'd have a better chance, but I don't think they can beat them. But if you're a Leaf fan, what you should be hoping for down the stretch is that the Boston Bruins finish third or even surpass you for second. You stick, you stay in that slot, and you play the Boston Bruins in the first round of the playoffs. That is what I believe is best-case scenario for the Toronto Maple Leafs is you get Boston. And although the Toronto Maple Leafs, you could say Boston has been Toronto's kryptonite, although I wouldn't necessarily argue that because they've also lost to Columbus. They've lost to Montreal. So you could just say the playoffs in general have been the Maple Leafs kryptonite. But I'll digress. The Boston Bruins are a good team but they are not as good of a team as Tampa or Florida. So ergo, it gives the Toronto Maple Leafs a better chance of beating the Boston Bruins than it does the Tampa Bay Lightning. And you can look, there's two different sides of the coin. I don't think Boston is afraid of Toronto, nor should they be. Again, they've, they've dominated them homes for years and years. But I look at the team Tampa's got better goaltending than Boston. And I like Boston's decor a lot. Tampa's better. Florida's got better goaltending than Boston. You could argue Boston's got a better defense score. I won't argue that point. But Florida's got a lot more firepower. I mean, I watched some of their game last night. Drew gets two points his first night. Robert Hag gets a point. Sherratt. But Huberdeau's third in the league in points in the NHL. Sasha Barkov's a stud. And yeah, Pashanak's great. And but Bergeron's hurt all the time. Marshan is still playing great, but they don't have the firepower. So if I'm and this I'm trying to I'm, I'm told all the time, you're such, you're such a hater to the Leafs. And I I'm not, but I'm I'm telling the truth. And this is what I'm trying to be optimistic here. Playing the Boston Bruins is best case scenario. Because if if the thought is, oh, we can't play Boston, we can't beat them, they got the hex over us, then you're not going to beat anybody. You, you're so weak-minded that you have the best situation in front of you and you can't beat that team. Because Tampa's no easier. Tamp, you, Boston's got the hex on us. Tampa's won back-to-back cups. Tampa is... Elite of the elite. They've done something you've never done. Get there. Win. Have clutch players. Big players show up in big moments. Boston has been a contender for over a decade. They deserve all the credit in the world because they've been consistently good. They've had Marshawn and Bergeron. They've got guys that just play tough every night. They play well. And... They've gone to, they went to a cup final in 2011, went to a cup final in 2013, went to a cup final in 2019, in the last decade. They were always a playoff team. They were always a threat. 
they're always a tough out. But over that time, guys have gotten older. Bergeron is still an effective player, but he's injured a lot. Tuka Rask, retired. He's had hip problems. I don't love Tuka Rask, but he had a good career. Good for him. Um, they've had guys come and go. David Krejci, although I think this is a net positive that he's no longer playing for Boston. He's older. He's not there anymore. Taylor Hall is coming. They've, they've always tried to stay competitive. They added Taylor Hall at the deadline last year. They got to the second round, no further. He was really a non-factor in the playoffs. This season, they add Hampus Lindholm, who was one of the best defensemen available at the deadline. And they give him an eight-year deal at $6.5 It's a rich, rich contract for my blood for what he brings to the table. But you look at it, you got McAvoy, you got Carlo, you got Lindholm, you got Mike Riley, Matt Grizzlick. They got a good defense core. He improves it significantly. You eliminate a player that is not as good. So, but if I'm Toronto, I look at it and I say, our goaltending, I mean, the way it's been over the last month, it's not as good as Boston's. But Jack Campbell was great over the first 40 some games of the season. Does that mean he's going to play well down the stretch? No. I do find that quite funny. That's the argument coming from Lease Nation. Well, Jack Campbell is going to round back into form. Okay. Says who? I haven't seen him play like that in a long time. It's no guarantee that. It just seems to me the overall sentiment. But, hey, best of luck to you. Uh, but that, that seems to be the thought right now. But I would still... At the top of their game, I, at the top of his game, I believe Jack Campbell is better than Jeremy Swayman or Linus Allmark when he's playing at his best. So offensively, as it stands right now, if they played, the Maple Leafs have a better offensive roster than Boston. I just don't see how anybody can make that argument to the contrary. I'll have that discussion. Leave us, Leave me your thoughts in the comments, but I'm – if you're just joining, I'm talking about Toronto Maple Leafs, Boston Bruins, and how this would be the best matchup for Toronto if they want to get farther in the playoffs. I believe Toronto's got a better offensive lineup. Defensive core, I mean, we still got to wait to see for Toronto because I still don't think it's great. Um, I don't think they did enough for my like out of like at least two defensemen at the deadline. And Sandine getting asked to play big minutes is a problem for me. He's not there yet. He's a bottom pair defenseman. He should play 10 minutes a night, no more. But what are the defense pairings? They need time to gel. I, It's almost you're going to be forced to play Giordano and Brody, even I'm sure Morgan Riley wants to stay with TJ Brody, which I think he's earned. But if the alternative is you're going to play Sherratt, uh, sorry, um, you're going to play Muzzin and Giordano together, I wouldn't do that ever. That would not be a defense core I would even attempt. That is too slow. They're, they are going to be – those two need to be on different pairs. So Brody, Giordano, Riley, Muzzin, that's not the worst-case scenario. But I can't play Giordano and, them, and him together because I just – it's too slow of a pair. I think they'll be taken advantage of. But – as of right now, I think Boston's got a better defense score. 
I think it's hard. It's hard for me to fathom that Toronto's will be better than, than Boston's by the time that playoffs rolls around, unless Boston gets a significant injury. I don't see that happening, but I like Toronto's offense better. Boston advantage defense goaltending. I think it's right up at, at its best. Like I just said, Jack Campbell is better than Jeremy Swayman. Could Jeremy Swayman have a great series? Of course, there's always that possibility. Nobody saw Jordan Bennington coming. Swayman has had limited playoff experience. I think he started a, at a start where Tuka Rask left the bubble under those circumstances. I won't get it back into that, uh, but he left to go deal with a family matter uh, and um, never came back. I think Swayman had a lot of those starts, but he's been a loyal soldier for Boston. Rask tried to come back. He had to go to the AHL for a couple weeks. He's battled through, but he's been he's been better than Olmark this season. I think Boston, who signed Olmark to a long-term deal, thought that he would be the number one goalie. He would push through. He'd be the guy that really took the net. That hasn't been the case. And looking at it, I think Swayman would get this a game one start um, if if the playoffs started today. But and you still get a word because Marshan, Bergeron, all these guys have playoff history. Good playoff history. Jake DeBrusque hasn't had a great, you know, he wanted out of Boston. But when he, it gets to playoff time, he plays better in the playoffs than he does in the regular season. He just finds it. It's, his game is better at, at that time of year. He has an impact. He scores big goals. He pisses people off. Charlie Coyle has been a disappointment since coming to Boston overall. That's just my overall take on him. He's a frustrating player for me to watch because he could be so much better than he is. He's such a big body. He could have such an impact on the game when it comes to hitting. When it, I remember watching him in St. John, and he would hit people. He'd separate people from the puck. Now, I just don't see that anymore. He plays timid. He doesn't play with that ferocity anymore. If he could find it, if he could be more consistent, then he'd be a real threat. He'd be a guy that would have a huge impact. Craig Smith, he brings what he brings. But again... I think if you're Toronto, you want the Boston Bruins in the first round of the playoffs. It's your best chance to win. Because what are the alternatives? Tampa, Florida, or potentially Carolina. And I don't you don't want any of those teams. Because I just think Carolina is so structurally strong, they will grind Toronto into the ground. They'll play that simple but irritating style. You know, I, I watch Carolina a lot because I think there's such a fun, you know, a lot of people don't like watching Carolina. I, again, I like watching because it's, it's really good hockey when it comes to just structurally and the way it's played common sense. I like that. It's boring. It's not up and down the ice, but I enjoy it. So, but Jordan Stahl can still play. I watched him the other day. He's so good defensively. He's got a great stick. He's hard on pucks. Niederreiter shows up, gets big goals. Um, you know, they just, they find ways. They lose in the gimmick last night. But more often than not, they're in a battle. They'll have to play well down the stretch to, to get that spot where they, if they want to finish first in the, in the Metropolitan because New York and Pittsburgh are both on their heels. So that should be a race down the stretch, but I think we'll see 
you know, a lot of tight races down the stretch. But with Boston entering as we sit today, Boston is 85 points, tied with Toronto for second in the Atlantic. Although Toronto has a game in hand on the Bruins, Toronto's got a back-to-back this weekend. With they're at Montreal on Saturday, then home to Florida on Sunday. Florida's on a back-to-back as well in Ottawa, then at Toronto. So that's close. Tampa has 84 points. They uh, have a game in hand on the Bruins, but they are tied with games played with the Maple Leafs. So they're, it's it's tight race. You know, um, Florida has a seven-point separation on the Maple Leafs right now and the Bruins, and they have they played the same amount of games as the Maple Leafs. But and then you have in the Metro, Carolina, they got 91 points, but Pittsburgh's right there. They got 88. Pittsburgh's on a heater lately. Uh, big game tonight. Pittsburgh is at uh, playing the Rangers. That's eight o'clock start. I'll be watching that one. But New York, they uh, they're at 85 points. So if they want to stay close with Pittsburgh, they're playing for home ice advantage right now. Shostakin's been a bit loose lately. He's got an 8.24 save percentage in his last five. He's lost it a bit, but I'm sure he's going to come up with a big start tonight. Um, as we head into the home stretch. But um, talking about all this, um, I watched Florida last night. They they look good, as I mentioned. All their new players basically get a point in their first game. Drew had two, Robert Hag, Ben Chirot. So again, they, they just they score goals at a premium, such a premium level that they're they're a great team to watch. Um, but I want to talk about this story with Dallas. And again, Dallas, why am I talking about Dallas? Well, trade deadline, it was quiet for Dallas. They made two moves. They acquired Vlastov Nemestikov from Detroit for a fourth rounder. And just part of the deadline, Braden Holpe went out with an injury, which left Dallas with basically Jake Ottinger and nobody else because Anton Hudobin just last week had hip surgery. So they're sitting there. Well, we don't have depth. We don't have a backup goalie. Ottinger's inexperienced. We can't ask him to play every game down the stretch. So they make a trade with the Arizona Coyotes for Scott Wedgwood. And Wedgwood's been a, a journeyman. He's bounced around, been claimed off waivers a bunch, originally drafted by the New Jersey Devils. and But he's been a good good goaltender. He's played for bad clubs, but he's played in the AHL, and Dallas takes a flyer on him. But he gets his first start last night against Carolina. He makes 44 saves of 47 shots. Makes three saves in the gimmick against Carolina. And first star of the game last night, Wedgwood. But this is a sneaky deadline, and maybe he won't make many starts. Dallas has 19 games left. But they're fighting for a playoff spot. They didn't trade um, John Klingberg. They re-signed Pavelski, but they could have made other moves to weaken their roster, but they didn't. They kept a lot of their guys, and they added the trade deadline and not subtract. But he comes in, giving Ottinger the night off, and he plays huge. Every game is important down the stretch. And he he was just he was clutch last night. I just think it's a, it's a really cool story. His first start with a new team. You're playing one of the best teams in the NHL, and you go in there and you ball out. And Dallas now has a one-point edge for that wild, final wild card on Vegas, but they have four games in hand. Vegas has played 67 games. That's most in the NHL. 
And the more I watch Vegas, I mean, they win last night 6-1. Nashville's on a bit of a skid right now. But the more I look and say they're going to miss the playoffs. They're going to miss the playoffs. And I don't, the acrimony and what's going to happen with the GM and the head coach, I don't know. But it's not going to be good in Vegas because they have no cap and they're going to have no resources to get better. But they're four points behind Nashville right now. Nashville's got two games in hand on Vegas. But to me, it looks like Dallas is going to make the – and really, it's Nashville is has 78 points. They're a couple – they're a point behind St. Louis, but St. Louis has a couple games in hand. Minnesota's kind of found their form again. They're second in the um, in the Central as of right now. They get a, a OT win over Vancouver last night, but it's starting to separate. Winnipeg – they had to win last night, and they didn't. They lose to Ottawa at home. That just can't happen. It's too much Kyle Connor and nobody else stepping up. The other night, Hellebuck played fantastic, but he had another game where you'd want it back. He didn't play great. Third period, they give up four goals. That's Winnipeg's season in a nutshell. They just they don't play hard enough. They don't play structurally well enough, and as of now, they're five points out of the playoffs. They play their 66th game of the season tonight. So if they win tonight over Columbus, they'll have 72 points, still three back with Dallas with three games in hand. So it's unlikely. Vancouver has 71 points. They played 66. So it's unlikely for them, although they, they continue to battle. Credit to them. You know, they, they lose in overtime last night, but they won the night in a gutty effort the night before against Colorado. But... Again, yeah, we're starting to see separation here. Maybe Vegas can get some luck. Like I said, they played 67 games. Dallas is going to have to play a lot of games down the stretch. That's definitely going to take a lot out of them. But I think they found their form. Rupe Hintz, um, Joe Pavelski, and Jason Robertson are an unstoppable line in Dallas. They are controlling that team. It's no longer Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan's team. It's you could argue it's now Joe Pavelski's team, and it's a metamorphosis where he's an elder statesman as well. But he came after leaving San Jose, and he was a captain there. And Jamie Benn's still the captain. But to me, Joe Pavelski's had the biggest impact on this team. When they got to a cup final, he was the catalyst. He scored the most goals for that team in the playoffs. Sagan battled, but he hasn't since that postseason. Tyler Sagan has not been the same. Multiple surgeries, missing an entire season. It really hurt his body, and you can understand that. But it's now you look at it and say it's it's little Joe's team, and he's got two guys under his wing who are having career seasons. Rupe Hintz was just a defensive forward, really structurally sound before. He's got 28 goals now. Jason Robertson, sophomore season, has 31. Both these guys are having career seasons. Joe Pavelski leads the Dallas Stars in scoring. It's it's truly a great story how he was a leader in San Jose and did get pushed to the side eventually when Logan Couture kind of pushed through, but they couldn't afford him anymore. They let him go, but he got his claws into Dallas, and they were a team that always missed the playoffs, were always around the edges, close to making it, but in 20... Um, in 2020, they get to a Stanley Cup final. 
They missed last year, but I think they're going to get in again this year. And who knows? In that Western Conference, it's truly a toss-up. Because I, I'm not, I'm not the biggest, as you all know, listening to, I'm not the biggest Colorado fan. I think they're really good. They have three more points than Florida when it comes to the best team in the NHL points-wise. I do like their deadline deals. I like that they got Manson. I, I, I'm glad they got tougher. I'll say that. I'm glad that they they bolstered that part of their lineup. But I haven't seen them get over the hump. Calgary, and I've said this, I like Calgary more than I, than I like Colorado per se. But Calgary is, that team is full of guys that just flake out in the playoffs. Johnny Goodrow is having a great season. But often in the playoffs, he plays some of his worst hockey. So it's hard to trust him. Same with Kachuk. But the structure of their team, Toffoli's a playoff guy. you got a great goaltender. So I, I sort of believe in them. Minnesota, and I said this last week, I really like their deadline. Cam Talbot, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury hasn't started yet. He's going to make his debut tomorrow night for Minnesota when they play the Columbus Blue Jackets. But Talbot's had two really good starts in a row, but Fleury will be that goaltender. Um. But to me, Minnesota's a threat. They're a tough team to play against. They're going to check you to death. They're going to make life extremely difficult. And I wouldn't be surprised if they went far in the playoffs. St. Louis is well. I just think it's a crapshoot. Get in and see what happens in the West. Because Edmonton, again, I, do I trust Edmonton? Not at all. Because I don't love their goaltending. But you look and you say, well, they got they got 97. They got 29. Nugent Hopkins is coming back. Koskinen's played some really good hockey. Maybe. McDavid's first in points. Dreisaitl's second in points, second in goal, goal scoring in the NHL. So who knows? L.A. L.A. might be the least talked about team that's going to make the playoffs. They're, at, they're two points up on the Edmonton Oilers right now in the Pacific Division. Only five behind Calgary. But they're just, you know, this team that has Drew Doughty and all, you know, these a blast from the past type team. Can they find their ways? Maybe. Could LA beat Edmonton? I think they could. But I think just as likely Edmonton could beat LA. And then you have a Calgary Edmonton second round, which would be a lot of fun. Battle of Alberta. Back in the playoffs. I, I'm all for that. But could Dallas do damage? Yeah, maybe. Na Nashville. I like Nashville. <laughs> I don't know what it, what it is about Nashville, but I like their team. And with Nashville, something that needs to start being discussed is Roman Yossi for the Hart Trophy. You know, I've heard about Austin Matthews. You hear that every day. Shesterkin. Um, those are really the two names. Maybe if McDavid can catch a heater, maybe he, he puts himself in the Hart Trophy debate. But Roman Yossi is having a historic season for the Nashville Predators. He's got, he's got 20 goals already, 61 assists. He might get to 100 points. He might have a 100-point season on the back end. 
If he can do that at age 31, why shouldn't he win the award? If the, if the argument is, well, we don't want to give it to a goalie to have an award. Okay. Well, well, a defenseman has an award too, so should they not be allowed to win the award either? Um, but if he can get 100 points, I have a hard time believing that any player was more important to their team's success than Roman Yossi. Nashville is a good team. But I think before the season, including myself, I didn't have them being where they are. Ryan Johansson, Matthew Shane, some of these guys. But a lot of it has to do with Roman Yossi's season. In his last five games, he has nine points. He's always a factor. He had 33 points last year. He already has 78 this year. He's a factor every night. You know it. And they got, you know, Dallas has some good, uh, and uh, Nashville's got some good stories. Philip Forsberg's got up to 36 goals. But to me, Roman Yossi, it was McCarr's all year for him to win the Norris. To me, that's changed. Roman Yossi should win the Norris Trophy for best defenseman. And there's an argument to be made that he should win the Hart Trophy as well. Because I think he's so valuable to that team. Because what doesn't he do? He drives the offense of that club. He's the heart and soul. He's the leader. There's not many things he doesn't do well. He's one of the best skaters. He jumps into the rush. He makes really good decisions. And Nashville's going to get in. And if you're a playoff team, you should be able to win a major award. To me, right now it's 34, Matthews. You have Shesterkin. You got Yossi. Those would be my th three finalists as of if the season ended today. You have one forward, one goalie, one defenseman. But that could all change. We still have a month to go here. But he got 78 points. So we can get another 22. It's a 100-point season on the back end. That's pretty crazy. But could, could McDavid win the heart again this year? Yeah, I think he could. Because what if he gets to 130 points and Edmonton finishes second in the Pacific? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility he wins the award. Maybe he'll have some fatigue from voters that they're tired of McDavid getting all the awards. But he's got 95 right now. I think he could. I still think Huberto could have a great back end to the season. I don't think they want to give it to a winger, but he's got 88 points. He's having a phenomenal season. Quietly, Kyle Connor's got 80. He's been by far the best player on his team. It will hurt Kyle Connors. His team's not going to make the playoffs. 30, 40 goals, 40 assists for Kyle Connor. But just for reference, in 56 games last year, he had 50 points. 64 games this year, 
He's got 79. Yeah, 29 point upgrade in, in just eight eight games, eight games uh, that he's played more this season. But there's still there's still some interesting races. Like the goal scoring race, I don't think it's locked up yet. Drysdale's got 44. Matthews has 46. So that's a tight race. Obviously, Matthews is playing to set a new Leaf record, which he hasn't done yet. He's never scored 50 in his career, which he will, unless there's a major injury. We'll see what happens there. But that'll be intriguing. Connor's got 40. Ovi's got 40. Like you're in, Forsberg's got 36. He'll get to 40. Debrinkat will get to 40 again. Pashenak's at 36. McDavid's got 35. I mean, Matthew Shane. Has, I mean, two, two national predators are in the top 10, which is pretty crazy to think about. But Kreider's got 42. He could... I think that'd be crazy for him if he can score 50 goal, have a 50 goal season for a guy like Chris Kreider, who most people wouldn't see as one of the top players in the NHL, which I still think is fair. But for him to have a 50 goal season in New York, that'd be pretty special. So still lots of things to be decided down the stretch here. Um, but I think Roman Yossi is being cast aside and he should be in the heart in the heart trophy debate. And I think his argument only increases in volume, only increases in magnitude the more as he gets closer to 100 points. Because if he gets to that plateau on the back end, that's something special. That's Not a lot of guys have done that. And he'd be on a playoff team as well. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, talked with Scott Wedgwood. Um Great story from him. Uh, Winnipeg, yeah, frustrating. Um, Flames. Uh, Calgary kind of had an interesting. Sean Monahan was a healthy scratch the other night. He's making a large amount of money for a guy that's a healthy scratch. But for Calgary, I don't think they need him. But I don't mind the move this late into the season. Um, I, I believe Daryl will play him in the playoffs. But they want him to know they need him to be better. He has not been – he hasn't been great this year, quite frankly. He's a guy that is too often just there. Uh, he he doesn't have a big enough impact on the game for me. And I, I like sending the message. He's a veteran. I think he's going to take it the right way. He's such a team guy. But he's been playing a lot of fourth-line minutes. And I to me, they need him to be more consistent. Will he be? We'll have to wait and see there. But I think they're playing Arizona tonight. Um, and I think he might be. Yeah, he's, he's going to be healthy scratch again tonight. So he's been in Calgary a long time. Since 20, 2013, 2014, he's only played for Calgary in his career. He's 27 years old. But, I mean, this season he's played 63 games. He's got 22 points. He had 28 points in 50 last year. So not a good season again, but it's gone down. He had 82 points in 78 games in 2018-19. And he that was the year he had multiple sur- – he had eight surgeries in an offseason. He hasn't been the same since. Had 48 the next season at 22 goals, which was down from 34. Ten goals last. He's only got eight goals in 63 games this season. So – He's almost he's alive because he just he doesn't bring anything to the table. And for Daryl, and 
this stat, I hate this stat, but I'll throw it in there just for fun. He's a minus 16. And you compare it to the top-notch guys for Calgary, they're all in the top three of plus-minus. And again, I think that stat's useless, but I'll keep that up there for the dinosaurs that enjoy that stat. But, so, I mean, it's it's a... To me, it's a it's a big enough deal that Sean Monahan, a a leader of that team, a guy that has been around since 2013 for almost a decade in Calgary, is is a healthy scratch tonight. This late into the season, as they try to gear up for the playoffs, and maybe it's something bigger. Maybe he won't be playing. They did lose Brad Richardson off waivers. But they've got some depth that they like to, pl- like to play. Will they call up Jakob Pelche before the end of the year? He's been lighting up the American hockey. If you can remember, he's the former Moncton Wildcat. He was a first-round pick of Calgary. He's been playing fantastic. He was a guy that Montreal tried to get from Calgary in a trade for, for Ben Chirot. They ultimately pulled out of the deal because they said, you're not getting Jakob Pelche. He's, he's our guy we're building around for the future. He's a French-speaking guy, but he's playing for the Stockton Heat. Just turned 21. So will they give him a call-up before the end of the year? In Stockton this year, he's got 53 points in 52 games. And he's you know over a point per game in his first year in the American Hockey League. That's pretty impressive. So there's been rumors all year, will they call him up? Um, I don't know if they will. They might just let him play his full year in the American League. They know they got a really good team, and they might not have a spot for them in the top six. But that's just a possibility. Just for you guys to keep a name on a top prospect, I don't know. Again, I don't know if they will, but it's an option. He doesn't. He can play center, uh, but I mean, you, you're not going to want to throw Pelche in a fourth line center role. Um, obviously, you prefer it to be Monahan, but I feel for the guy because. He is where he is because he gave so much to the game. He blocked shots. He played that physical role. He played a team game. He did it all. And that year, he had 82 points. That offseason, he had eight offseason surgeries, including both hips. And even at 27, he's so young, he's never been the same. The numbers continue to decrease. It's going to be a healthy scratch tonight for the first time in his career. It's tough to see because I really like him. He's a battle-tested guy, but I don't blame Daryl Sutter because he's not what he used to be. You can't have a guy in there that's going to hurt your club. And right now, I think that's where it is. It's almost this, okay, we we got to keep this guy in the lineup. We can't keep this guy in the lineup anymore. We just can't. So... It's a really, really tricky spot, but for a game against Arizona, which is normally meaningless, to me it creates some intrigue because where does the locker room go from here? How does Sean Monahan take this? Because it's not about him coming back and scoring, getting a hat trick in the game, falling healthy scratch, because I believe Calgary plays tomorrow against Vancouver. So they're, they're in a back-to-back. Maybe he gets right back into the lineup after, after he sits out a game. Because... Oh, they play Edmonton tomorrow night in the Battle of Alberta. You have to be realistic. He's not He's not going to come in and be great. Could he? He makes a ton of money. But right now, with your team the way it is, 
you have enough really elite talent up front. You got to hope to fully can add a lot. Kachuk, Goudreau continue to deliver. But if you need Sean Monahan just to be a sound defensive forward, I think that's the best you can hope for if you're the Calgary Flames. Because you need to bypass the salary because that's gone. That's, that's irrelevant at this point. It doesn't matter how much he makes. There's no salary cap in the playoffs. It's we have these guys that can do this. Yes, he makes this money. You can deal with that in the offseason. Maybe you buy him out. Maybe that's the play and you move on from Sean Monahan. But can he play a position where he at least plays good defensive hockey, he wins draws, he's in the right spot more often than not? That's all. Basically, I think that's where you're at if you're the Calgary Flames. Because otherwise, he's not going to do more than that. He doesn't have the capability to be an impact player. He just doesn't. He doesn't have that right now to, to do that. So don't, it's about setting realistic expectations. And I think Daryl, by healthy scratching him, him tonight, hopefully it's a reset. Hopefully he can come in and be like, I'm sure he's feeling a lot of pressure. He's, uh, he's not, he, you know, he knows he's not what he used to be. He can look at the stat sheet, but if his line can be efficient, if they can play good minutes, make good decisions on the ice, win draws, gets pucks out, and occasionally chip in, I think Calgary can live with that because they have other lines that can do different things. But if he's if he's too slow, if he's a liability defensively, and he, he's out of position more often than not, then you got a problem. Then he can't play. Then you need to find some. He's going to be in the press box come game one of the first round. And I think that's what the next month, there's little to no races anymore. I mean, Winnipeg, you say they're still in it. Okay. Vancouver's still in it. Not really. Vegas, yeah, they're still there. You got to win. But for these teams that are comfortably in the playoffs, like a Calgary, like Florida, like Toronto, Tampa, it's a, for these teams, it's about finding your right structure, finding guys, put them in the right position, and you got to hope that it can pay off for you. Um, I see we got our guest on the line, so I'm going to bring him in here. Uh, Bill's Mock, I didn't know he changed his name. Uh, interesting little tag, uh, but I'm going to bring him in here. Uh, rocking the, the Yankees, <laughs> completely thrown off here, but uh, welcome him back to the podcast. Uh, great buddy and good friend of the show, uh, Walker Campbell. Uh, Walker, good to see you again, man. And how are things? Oh, things are awesome, man. Uh, thanks for having me back, finally. I love the new studio. And uh, Thanks. Yeah. We're a little cutting out here. Uh, oh. see if we can. Uh, yeah. Um, are we good? Um, let's see here. So we'll, we'll go for a minute. I see uh, you're, you're cutting out a bit, um, but we'll, we'll oh, okay. play it by ear. Um, so I was just talking about Calgary. I don't know if you saw Sean Monahan's going to be a healthy scratch for the Flames tonight. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of some news for the day. But um, I, I kind of think for Calgary and for Monahan, they need to look in the mirror and just kind of 
he's not what he used to be. He's been through, he's his body, he's had so many surgeries. And I just think for, for him and for Calgary, they, they need to, he needs to play a defensive role. He's not what he used to be. And I think both teams, both sides just need to figure out a best spot for him to be effective in, in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, at this point in his career, he's pretty much a, you know, a bottom six forward. Um, his production's dropped drastically for the last few years. And, uh, you know, Calgary's so loaded. Mm-hmm. From, you know, lines one, one through four. So it's a, uh, oh, did I cut it? Uh, it's really tough for them to find a, uh, a spot for him. Yeah, we're we're losing you. I might um, I might get you to come back in. You want me? We'll I can leave and come back. Yeah, we'll see if we have a better connection. Okay, we're gonna do that and uh, walk. We'll, we'll see if we can get him back. It just seems to might just be an uh, internet issue, but we'll uh, we'll see if he comes back and hopefully we got a better connection because yeah, uh, what what he was saying, I agree. I mean, he's a bottom six forward in, in Sean Monahan, the Calgary Flames. See if he's coming back now. We'll add him back here. There. Yeah. Hopefully, that's a better better connection. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I I feel for the guy because he's had twelve surgeries in the last three years. Uh, like, as you know, I mean, you do a lot of you know weightlifting and stuff like that, and you're uh, you know an active guy. You're not gonna you're not gonna be the same player. It's just it's it's physics. I mean, it's impossible for him to be the same person, but I, I just hope he can find something. Cause I think he's a real warrior of the game and he deserves, even he could be a good fourth line center on a championship winning team. That's something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, the older you get, the harder it is to recover from those surgeries and injuries. Like, Yeah, we're having a tough go here. Um, I'm gonna let him reset because he uh, we couldn't get a good connection there again. Um, yeah, um, you just can't get a good connection. <laughs> yeah, I don't bad Wi-Fi today. I guess we had a we had a storm this morning. So. Yeah, it could be the weather, eh? Yeah, it's something too. It's been. Raining up this way all day too. Did it snow in Miramichi? Uh, yeah, it snowed pretty much for half the day. It just started uh, raining now, but uh, I think I'm just gonna hop off the Wi-Fi. Maybe that'll help my connection. Um, oh, you're, you're good right now. So good right now. I can hear you perfect now. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but um, I wanted to get your thoughts on Tyree Kill. Uh, I. This one completely. I mean, this this NFL offseason, a lot of the stuff I didn't see coming. Uh, Devontae Adams to Vegas stunned me. Tyreek Kill, I didn't even know that they're working through a contract. He gets traded to the Fish. Um, is there a NFL player under more pressure next season? Under more pressure next season than Tua Tagovailoa? Because I really don't. I can't think of one. No, I don't think so. I mean, for the past few years, everyone's been saying how he hasn't had the the firepower necessary to do any good in the league. But so, I mean, there's no excuses for him now. It's all it's all there on the table. I mean, they they have a he has a lot of weapons now. You know, yeah, Will, he has Jalen Waddle, very good receiver, mm-hmm. uh, Devontae Parker, uh, Gasecki, great tight end. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 
I'm I'm hoping the best for him. I'm not too high on him, but uh, no, me too. You know, hopefully, <laughs> I don't. I just I don't think he's that great. But I mean, you know, he look, he's got two of the fastest receivers. I mean, Waddle and and Hill are so quick. I mean, it's going to oh, be yeah. a lot of two yard throws, and you got to hope they can burst it for a lot of yardage <laughs> because. I mean, that's what he is. He, he doesn't throw down the field, but those two guys, I mean, Waddle had a hundred catches last year and he was a rookie. I mean, he, they're both uh, electric when they get the balls in their hands. Oh yeah, they are for sure. I, I don't think there's anyone faster than them. I, you could, you could uh, maybe argue uh, what's his name? Marquez. Uh, Scandling. Yeah. Scandling. Just signed with the chiefs. Uh <laughs> Not a bad signing for them, I I guess. He, I mean, he's no Tyreek Hill, but uh, <laughs> it'll have to do. So I, I'm excited to see how Miami uh, does this season. I, I expect them to, you know, hopefully do a lot better than they did last year. I know they had that big winning streak at the end of the year, but, I mean, if you look at who they were playing, I think it was everyone's third-string quarterback on the worst teams. So, no, it'll be exciting to see them this year. As a Bills fan, do they fear you? No, <laughs> no, I, I mean, honestly, no, I don't, not, nobody in the division really scares me, but I, I think Miami will finish ahead of the Patriots. I, I think they'll be second in the uh, AFC East. Yeah. I'm starting to think the same thing because New England's done nothing. This obviously they've gotten worse. Like they've lost a lot <laughs> of pieces. They brought back Malcolm Butler, which I'm like, okay, this guy's been spent for a while. Uh, and they just let pieces go. And they, you know, JC Jackson goes to the Chargers, which I think a lot of teams got better. Uh, I think yeah. New England has gotten significantly worse. And they still don't have any receivers that I really like that particularly that much. No, that's the thing. I mean, their top receiver is uh, Bourne or. Kobe Jacoby Myers, Myers right? Yeah. So I, I mean, they don't really have any firepower, and, and you know, Mac, he's he doesn't have a great arm. I mean, he's he's not too bad at the short passes, but I don't know. I I'm not too uh, high on the Patriots this year. I, I think there's a good chance they might miss the playoffs. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking the same thing. And your Bills, um, they made they made a few moves. Uh, I. I hope they I hope they draft a running back at uh, some point in this draft because yeah. I do think that's something they could improve on. Even though uh, they, they had a better season run the ball than they did the last year, but that was a low bar. Um, but um, they lose Cole Beasley, which kind of is net positive. Um, but yes. Stefan Diggs, they still have some good. You uh, you feel like they were so close last year against the Chiefs. Do you feel like they're right at the top of the AFC when it comes to, because a lot of teams, they get better in the AFC. Oh yeah. There are a lot of teams in the AFC that are, have gotten a lot better, but you know, uh, I like our chances in the East. I think that'll be a, a breeze. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's really just the other divisions, you know, Kansas city got worse. So I'm happy about that, but I think we really have a good shot. I mean, we pick up Vaughn Miller, which, you know, we already had a pretty good defense, and mm -hmm. he just adds to it. I didn't really like the the contract that much. <laughs> it was six years. The guy's thirty two years old, but yeah, it's a little old. Uh, and I mean, it's really the AFC West that I like. That division is insanely stacked now. Like all all four teams could could mm -hmm. win it. You know, I uh, I really at this point, I think if I had to pick a favorite in the West, it'd probably be the 
I I like the Raiders a lot. Yeah, I was. That's you know, if I, if I was running, if I was doing a FanDuel or DraftKings, I I'd, cause I think the Raiders be paying the best. They're sneaky, the Raiders. Um, sneaky. I, I think the Raiders or the Chargers where I throw my money because I'm sure the Chiefs are still the favorites and you can't – they still got Mahomes. And I, yeah. I think they'll, they'll draft a receiver. But missing Tyree Kill will hurt them a lot because it's such a – you know, if you're scrambling, he's eight, 60 yards down the field, he'll catch it, and he's running past everybody. Scaling can is a deep threat, but he drops it like Aaron. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers hated him after a while. He wouldn't throw him the ball, <laughs> and um, you could say it cost him against San Fran. But he he's not a proven guy. There's a reason he was signed this late in free agency. No, exactly. His catch percentage is pretty awful. So, uh, but yeah, he is fast, and I mean, if he can start catching them, then you know teams will definitely be uh, having to look out for that. But, and that's the thing with Tyreek Hill too, is that he is a smaller guy. He's so fast, but mm-hmm. he, he can catch the ball. Like he, he's got really good hands for a guy his size. And uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see how the Chiefs uh, do this year. I, uh, I was watching uh, First Things First today, I believe it was. Yeah, and uh, Chris Broussard said it's on the table for the Chiefs to miss the playoffs. And I just, I got so excited. I, uh, you know, I respect his, I respect was Nick Wright. Was Nick Wright on the show? Yeah. Yeah. He, he like he convulse. Wasn't, he wasn't buying it. He laughed. He started laughing. He said, Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. He loves oh. the teams. He loves. I'll give him that. Um, oh, yeah. but yeah, that's, that's a, that's definitely a hot take. Uh, he's no, definitely gonna I, get... yeah, I don't know if they'll miss, I don't think they'll miss the playoffs, but their, their division's, uh, significantly harder. Yeah, the Broncos aren't the Broncos, Drew Locke anymore, Teddy Two Gloves, <laughs> and you know just the <laughs> some of the jokes there. I mean, if the Chargers can figure out ways to win games in the last five minutes, I think they have the best team because I Herbert's a stud. I love him, Keenan. I think they got a really they got significantly better on defense. Um, if Joey I and mean, if Joey Bosa can stay healthy, that's a big point of emphasis too. But if, if they have a coach that may, maybe don't gamble when it's fourth and one on your own 11, maybe punt in that situation. <laughs> I, I, he's my biggest concern. I, 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 I like the aggression, but how about use your brain once in a while too? Like not like just certain situations, just, just chill. Like it's okay to punt, you know? Yeah, I know. I, uh, I think he gambles a little too much and uh, it'll, I think it'll luckily that worked out for him. I mean, I think that whole game, I think the last uh, few plays, they all came down to fourth and something. And right. he ended up hitting all of them. Like, it was insane. But uh, I think he just needs to kind of find out, a, find a fine line of when did, when it's appropriate to go for fourth and one and uh, and, and to punt, you know. But they're, yeah. they're definitely dangerous. I I like their, uh, their team. Did you see Keenan Allen tweeting about uh, – the Chiefs today was that today or was that yesterday? <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, it's sort of in between the lines, saying like <laughs> Holmes is going to stink without Tyree Kill or something. <laughs> uh, which, um, you maybe get a media job after his career's over, uh, spewing those hot takes. But um, you better go ball out. That's all I'm going to say because um, it's interesting for sure. Um, where's Baker Mayfield going to end up? 
Oh, man. I, it's crazy how quickly this is all kind of unraveled. He went from like, yeah, he's our guy uh, to nobody wants him. Like the, mm-hmm. the Texans didn't want him. They wanted to rule with long neck Davis Mills. <laughs> and I mean, Panthers don't want him. Yeah. I, it's it's mind-boggling. The Falcons go with Marcus Mariota. <laughs> oh, like I guess in their defense, I I kind of understand they might not be sold on Baker, and they're thinking, you know what, we're gonna suck this year anyway. Might they're well they're going to be. I said this the other day. I think Jacksonville and Detroit can sleep easy and not worry about getting the first pick because I think Atlanta, <laughs> they are so awful. Yeah. They oh like uh, yeah but I agree but like Seattle if I'm Seattle it's tough to sell Drew Locke but I don't you're not winning a Super Bowl with Baker either so it's it's a tough spot if you're in these middle teams that are left like I I wouldn't like I'd want Jimmy Garoppolo more than I want Baker Mayfield for me personally same he's a quarter he's a winner quarterback a winner. wins quarterback yeah. wins guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, really, the only team I could have thought of was Seattle, just because why? Why in the hell would the Seahawks roll with Drew Locke mm-hmm. as their starting quarterback? And they still have DK Metcalf. Uh, yep. They still have Tyler Lockett, right? And they got Noah Fant from the uh, Broncos. Yep, the Broncos so trade, yeah. It's not like they don't have any weapons up front at all. I mean, their defense is, I don't know, it's all right. I don't think it's that great, but. No. Bottom 10. But Baker Mayfield is better than Drew Locke. Yes, he is right? better than like, Drew Locke. That's what I <laughs> so, uh I don't know. I mean, another team I kind of thought of maybe, but maybe probably not, was the the Giants. And yes. Yeah. The only reason I say that is because I think they – I don't think they're going to stick with Danny Dimes. Uh I don't, he's not, he hasn't done much. And I think this is the last year of his, his deal, yeah. right? So yeah. they can just let him walk essentially. And I mean, why not? I mean, you could bring Baker in just to replace him. I I think Baker is better than Daniel Jones. Yeah, I do so, too. Yeah. But it, it's tough. Everyone has their quarterback at yeah. this point. So teams know that. So they're not going to. It almost feels like Cleveland's going to have to cut him. Because I don't know who's going to trade for him. Because there's no way I would give a first-round pick for Baker Mayfield. No, I wouldn't either. And here's the thing. Maybe a month ago, teams might have been willing to give that up. Right. Right? So they they essentially screwed themselves in that sense. I mean, obviously, you, you take Deshaun Watson over him every day of the year. But, you know, how it kind of unraveled was – he said they were going out for him. He said no. Baker made the post, requested a trade. And that that's how Deshaun Watson, I think, ended up with that guaranteed deal was right. he, he knew Cleveland needed a quarterback. So he said, yeah, I'll come if you guarantee me the whole contract. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where Baker ends up. Uh, I don't know. Do you think he might end up in a backup role this year? Yeah, like, if I'm Seattle, I'm just like, we'll take him, but cut him. Well, then we'll, sell, then we'll sign him. Like, I'm not giving away a drop pick for him. Screw that. If I know I can get him for, for free. Um, 
What if he goes and backs up Brady? I heard rumors of that today. I Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that would kill his ego, and I know Progressive would be on board for that. But um, I, I, I don't think he's got a whole lot of options. Like He's going to have to swallow his pride a lot here and just accept whatever comes his way. No, uh, yeah, I. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. I I don't know if he'll go there. I can't see Tom Brady even wanting him. Yeah. Uh, no. So I, I think he likes himself a Blaine Gabbert behind him. The no the no threat backup quarterback Blaine Gabbert just <laughs> you know plain vanilla Blaine Gabbert like yeah just well, slap some <laughs> ass when you get to the sideline and let's move on to the next play. <laughs> exactly, and I mean. Baker say he say Brady gets hurt he's an older age or you know he's 45 he starts to go on a downward mm-hmm. spiral Baker comes in plays like that one stretch he had a few years ago and you know then Tom Brady's not very happy I, know I, I can't dispute it I call it the skip Bayless stretch the 11 oh, games oh my gosh he brings um, it up every time he talks about every 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 it, day as if, as if that 11 games is his whole career like what about everything else? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I I think he's gonna get cut, and I, I uh, yeah. you'll have his pick of the litter. But I don't know how much interest there'll be on uh, on old Baker. Um, NBA, you know, it's coming down to the last ten games of the season. It's crunch time here, and I thought we could talk about. The East is interesting because there's a whole bunch of teams still in the mix fight for the top seed, battle, or at least in the battle for the two seed. And now we could go through a, a kind of a list of the teams top of the top five, the top five teams that you trust the most in the East. And I'm looking forward to the NBA playoffs. I think it's going to be great. Uh, I think there's a lot of good teams in both conferences. But for the East, um, who, who who are you liking? Like when it comes start with your fifth team, who do you trust? And you, you can kind of go through your list and I'll go through mine and we'll compare, but kind of take us five to one on the teams that you trust the most in the, uh, in the Eastern conference. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, for the East, for me, that uh, it was pretty straightforward, I think for the, the top few teams, but uh, number five, I have the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, uh, I think with Kyrie Irving coming back, Kevin yeah. Durant playing very well. You know, I think these last few games they'll be able to get a little chemistry going, and I think they'll be. Uh, I think they'll be. Nobody's going to want to play them round one. No, uh, I'll guarantee that. Uh, especially if you're the Bucks or the Heat or the 76ers, right? You're yeah. thinking anyone but them, please. Uh, do you want me to go five to one? List them off. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, number four, I had the Boston Celtics. They're, uh, the second half of their season's been pretty good. Uh, yeah. I like them like through one to five. Honestly, they uh, they play such good defense, and uh, they they get a lot of good offense from Tatum and Brown. They're passing a lot more, getting more guys involved, which is good. Um, I kind I wish they had a better uh, big man because mm-hmm. I mean uh, Robert Williams isn't that big for you know to play center if you go small ball that's fine but when they go big i think they go with uh daniel tice right and um mm-hmm. uh i don't know <laughs> i'm not uh too sold on he's, him. he's a white center <laughs> that's all you need to know <laughs> yeah 
Uh, after that, I have the 76ers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think uh, I really like this team. <laughs> I think they gave up way too much, though, for James Harden. Yeah. Like, if I'm them, there's no way I'm letting go of Seth Curry. I think he was such a valuable member for them. Yeah. Uh, but Tyrese Max, he's playing awesome. So he's kind of he's a, a, yeah, he's a baller. S- stepped up. So, you know, if James Harden can get it together, you know, lay off the wings and strippers, he might, uh, they might be <laughs> able to make a good run. Right. <laughs> uh, after that, I have the Miami Heat. I really like them one through five too. I think they're they're really, you know. I feel like no one talks about them that much, and they're the no, one seed they're, in the they're East. Just quiet. They're just super quiet one seed. Uh, I know they had a little, I don't know, a little fight the other night. Jimmy Butler started another fire. <laughs> yeah, he's always in the drama. I don't know what 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 that's about, but. Uh, I think I like Bam out of bio a lot. I think he's uh he can pretty much defend any of the top big guys. So, you know, if you're if you're playing Embiid or, or Giannis, right, you can you can throw him on yep. them and he'll do a good job of guarding. Kyle Lowry's been pretty good for them this year. I uh, wish the Lakers would have picked him up last year, but Taylor Horton Tucker was too uh much to give up, I guess. It's a valuable piece, Walker. It's a valuable oh. Yeah, a valuable piece that averages like four points a game. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, the Lakers in a nutshell, right there. Uh, I'm old yeah, exactly. And I mean, Miami's got good shooters too. Uh, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. The yeah. only uh, like is I forget who they were playing the other night. Um, State maybe. I forget who it was, but they uh, near they near the end of the game they kept. Uh, getting one-on-one matchups with Tyler Hero, and they were just uh, – I think it was the – yeah, it was the 76ers, yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Were, and uh, Tyrese Maxey was just giving it to him. So, I mean, that's something I think teams and might the, And the only thing the I don't like about Miami, too, is they don't have, like, in that – a minute left, like, who's taking that last shot? Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's not Jimmy Butler. Hero is – that's a tough spot to ask him to do that because he's off the bench. So that's kind of a tough. Yeah. Um, it's almost like it's going to be Bam, and that you know, it's kind of an awkward <laughs> spot for a big to be like, "Okay, go get." <laughs> like, um, no, Tatum. You obviously, no. You know, it's Durant. Um, I mean, Philly. I trust Embiid more than I trust Harden, but again, that's a different story. But yeah, that's the only thing for Miami's. Right, I look at them and say, last three minutes, who am I going to each possession and get you a bucket? Absolutely right. They don't have that, you know, that shooter, that star, that stud that you know will get you clutch buckets in the uh, in the final minutes, you know, like those other teams have. So anyway, uh, my number one team is Milwaukee. Love Milwaukee. I think they're so good. Uh, Giannis, you know, quietly having an MVP season again that nobody wants to give to him. (laughs) But that's just the normal. After you win a couple, nobody wants to give you any anymore. (laughs) It's crazy to think how many more MVPs certain guys could have if people... You you have one guy in particular that you think... Well, I think... I know know who you're leaning towards with that... that, uh... I know who you're... Just say his name. It's okay. Well, yeah, obviously LeBron James comes to mind. 
but I think right. there's more guys. Like I think Michael Jordan could have had more yeah. as well. Um, even, you know, Kareem, guys like that. Will Chamberlain, how I think he has like two. Yeah. I think the guy averaged fifty and didn't win it. So <laughs> but I think that, that was back when the players voted. And I think nobody liked him. Yeah. I, Will the still it, it's true. I, I don't like it's every year it's like, oh, it's the best story. And I yeah, I, I don't get it. Like, say, like, and it, same with the coach of the year in the NHL. I'm like, okay, a team that was bad the year before made the playoffs. Why should you win coach of the year? If you had the most points, shouldn't you win coach of the year? Your team was better than the, than the other teams. To me, it's yeah. I, 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 and I agree with 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 Giannis. I mean, if they finish first in the East, which they still have a chance to, and he averages, he still has a chance at the scoring title, so he could win that. Yeah. I don't know how he doesn't win MVP. Like, and he's he might be the most efficient scorer in the NBA because he just in the paint he can't be stopped. I, I, he's not a great three point shooter, but he knows that, and he he just you can't guard the guy in the paint. No, it's pretty crazy. I mean, a guy averages like 30, 12, and five consistently, and uh, everyone just I don't know diminishes it, but. They're really good. I, I like, you know, Chris Middleton, if he can step it up in the playoffs, um, he's he's very critical for them. Mm -hmm. uh, love Drew Holiday, what he brings on the defensive end and facilitating wise. Um, Grayson Allen has been kind of a I, I hate him, but he's been uh, <laughs> he's been a, he's been a pretty good pickup for them this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Bobby Portis, I, he's Oof. awesome. Yeah, I like him a lot, actually. Um, so yeah, I I think they're I don't know I, I they're my favorites in the East for mm -hmm. sure. I don't know if I'd go as far as favorite for the for the title, but they're right, right up there. Yeah, I got I got the same one too as you. Um, Milwaukee, Miami, same order. I'll go back to five. I have the 76ers fifth. And the reason I have 76 ers fit is I don't trust James Harden whatsoever. I've seen the guy just go two for 18, you know, when he was with Houston. And, you know, last year with Brooklyn, he just – he shouldn't have even been playing because he was, he was more of a liability than anything. But I I need to see him do it. And I, I, I totally agree with you with the trade. I, I thought it was a win for Brooklyn from the beginning because I thought Simmons would play, which – doesn't look like he's going to now, but even like Seth Curry is a stud. Um, your boy, the big penguin, starting to turn it around. And, and, <laughs> the um, big penguin. <laughs> he's like I don't I don't love Andre Drummond, but he's playing pretty good basketball uh, since yeah. he arrived in Brooklyn. He's playing he's playing well. Uh, um, so he he gave it to Embiid when they played to each other. He. Uh, he, he took that matchup personal. So, yeah. Uh, but I need to see Harden deliver in the big moments, and I don't trust him to do that. Um, and there's just something about that team. I, I just, they, they don't have a bench. Like, no. they, they acquired DeAndre Jordan, and you know better than anyone being a Lakers fan. Oh. Um, if Brooklyn and the Lakers say no thanks to DeAndre Jordan, you should not want DeAndre Jordan. And he's playing 16 minutes a night in, in Philly. Yeah, that's, that can't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just um, washed up. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's washed. Um, four, I have Brooklyn. 
although they they would scare the hell like you just said if if, if Milwaukee or if Miami ends up first and they got Brooklyn oof, um that that's not a like I give me the Raptors give me the Cavs before I get Brooklyn in the first round um because Kyrie's back now full time Kevin Durant I mean Simmons I mean who knows I, I it's just that whole story is something else. The fact that oh. I, I don't, and well, I'll diverge off this for a second, Walker. But can mental health be an excuse for everything now? Like, I, I just, I don't buy that he's going through mental health stuff. And maybe he is, but it just seems a little bit fraudulent to me when he was just trying to get paid. Now he's got back issues. Like, I, I just, I can't do it with Ben Simmons. Like, I, I have no sympathy for the guy. No, and I mean, it, it's coming off as somewhat of an excuse, right? Because his whole thing this whole season was, oh, I just I want to get paid. I don't want to play here. I just want to be somewhere else and play. Mm-hmm. He gets traded, getting paid. Oh, I got a back injury, like mental health issues, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, well, if you had these before, why weren't you dealing with them then? Or maybe mm-hmm. he was, and maybe they're just, you know, He's not, you know, making the progress he needs to make, but. And if you're in Brooklyn, you know, he's a back issue. Why the hell are you trading for him? Exactly. If you know, he's injured, you're like, I'm like, no, if you're not going to play for me, I don't like, they, they could have rolled the the dice with James Harden, like Kyrie Durant and Harden is not a bad trio going into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. That's the thing, right? Like you could have went with them this playoffs and then trade Harden in the summer. Yep. And essentially probably got the same package. Right. Yeah. And then Simmons might be ready to play then. And then you, you get him then. But yeah. Yeah. I think that's the biggest wasted opportunity. Those three guys. I think they played 16 games together as a th- oh. as the three of them, which is crazy. But the fact that they didn't win a title like that is cr- they're so uber talented. I mean, Durant is one of the best players ever, but Kyrie is just an assassin. Like he's maybe the best like his ball skills are th- through the roof. Harden is, you know, the way he plays is un- like if they're all playing top of their game, like I don't know how they don't win a title. Like I think if they're all healthy, they would have beaten Milwaukee last year and who knows where that goes from there. Yeah. I, I think they would have beaten Milwaukee and uh, I don't, it looked like they were on route to a championship. Like it seemed yeah. like nobody could stop them and, you know, maybe the Suns would have beaten them. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is such a wasted opportunity. It's not too often three guys of that talent come together to play. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know what James Harden's problem was. I don't know if it was Kyrie. I mean, he, he does seem like a lot to handle, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> I mean, if, if the main goal is a championship, do you think you'd be willing to put that difference aside? You know, but you think, yeah, just say, okay, whatever. And yeah, I mean, I, I would, it'd be tough to be teammates with Kyrie because the guy's clearly a pain in the ass. But I mean, I think James Harden's not an easy guy to get along with either because he's <laughs> taking different planes to go to different cities to go to the Peel and, you know, different stuff. So <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and then I got Boston third, but I mean, Boston's been routing people. They 
Their last four victories have been been, been by a combined twenty four points. They are, wow. I, they beat Utah the other night. They just killed them. I, I uh, they're really starting to impress me, and um, and they just they have that fire about them. Tatum looks like he's truly morphing into the superstar that everybody thought he'd be. And again, they're getting hot at the right time, so they're they're not an easy out either. No, exactly. I uh, yeah, I like Boston. I like what they bring to the table. Do you think there's anything that they could add to uh, improve their, or they could have added? Yeah, I mean, I I like Robert Williams, but again, I think another center. Like I, I always said, like a Valanciunas would have been a good fit in Boston. I, I like um, the way he he can stretch the floor a little bit more. He is good at rebounding, but again, at New Orleans didn't want to depart with, which I understand, but they're kind of in no man's land. But um, yeah, center would have helped. I mean, Al Horford's been playing better. So that's really been a nice find for them. The fact that he just seems to be able to play really well in Boston goes elsewhere. He can't, but he plays, <laughs> finds it in Boston. So, um, but I mean, if I guess your biggest concern is if Tatum, if they trap Tatum, if he's, if they double triple him, can Jalen Brown be consistent enough to deliver night in, night out? That would be my one concern with, with Boston. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Cause they, they don't really have a bunch of like scorers, right? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. Tatum and, and Brown that are their main guys. Right. So yeah, if uh, I know, I know the whole team's been kind of great as a group as of late for a while now. And, you know, they're peaking at the right time, but makes you think you know playoffs are a whole different uh thing than playing i don't know the the jazz on a a wet (laughs) yeah like playing the thunder on a thursday night in in march right so and uh you play it's a seven game series right so the teams will will do film on how to Mm -hmm. stop those guys right so um any like cleveland toronto do you think that either of those teams could win around uh, I don't know. I I think the team that plays Chicago has a chance. Like, say, like, uh, I mean, Boston, I think Boston, they play Chicago up the season. I think Boston would win that series pretty easily. But if, say, if one of those teams could sneak in, play, if Chicago could win some games down the stretch, I think you, they got a better chance. Yeah, I, I think if, uh... I don't know what. Where is Chicago going to end up? Are they going to end up like fifth? They're they're fifth right now, but they're only a game up on Cleveland and Toronto. See, I uh, I think they're probably screwed either way. I don't really. I mean, because their record's pretty bad against top teams too, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think at one point it was something like zero and fifteen. I saw that stat. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. believe it. Which and they don't have Lonzo Ball right now either, which hurts them. You know, he was he was playing pretty well this yeah. year up until then. So I, I just can't see. You know, Brooklyn's really the only team on the bottom uh, that I could see winning. I, like I don't mind the Raptors. Uh, I, I can't. I just can't see any of them beating the Bucks or Miami, mm-hmm. unless the 70, 76ers have a whole collapse and Embiid gets injured and. You know, Harden has too many pregame meals, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that, but, that'd be uh, yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, um, but yeah, 
it'd be Toronto Brooklyn in the first playing game and Kyrie wouldn't be able to play in Toronto. Yeah. So he's not allowed to play. So that's a big I'm sure Brooklyn's hoping Toronto can pass Cleveland at least. So he'd be able to play in Cleveland. Yeah, do you think they beat the Raptors in that playing game? I don't know if they beat them without without uh, Kyrie. And then who the is Raptors they? Raptors are an efficient bunch. Like they, Scotty Barnes is a stud. That was a really good draft. I think he's going to be a star yeah. in this league. But Siakam's playing pretty well. Like I, Toronto is already building another good team, and I think they're one. Another big like they, in a couple, maybe even next year. If there's a guy that you know in the NBA every year, there's a guy that I want out. I'm sick of here. I'm sick of this. It sucks. Like if there's another Kawhi Leonard out there, I think Toronto is a team that could look to acquire him because I think another superstar. They're close to being a contender. Yeah, they are, and they've been playing pretty well lately too. Um, you think maybe James Harden will want to go there? <laughs> He'll want out of. Philadelphia, well, go to Toronto. Off to Google, best peels in uh, in uh, the world. Like, man, I don't know. I've heard uh, Jeff O'Neill and Overdrive say the peels in Toronto are pretty good, so maybe that's uh, appealing to him. But um, yeah, I um, I don't know. Um, your Lakers, tenth seed. Uh, <laughs> that's um, two pitiful. two games up on San Antonio for the last play-in spot but are they are they gonna make the playoffs other than the play-in oh man i I don't know like i think they can make the playoffs uh you know if (laughs) if (laughs) anthony it's a hard subject uh if anthony davis is back i think that gives them a good chance to get in the playoffs because i you know, whoever ends up in that seventh seed, whether it be Minnesota or Denver, I think they'll easily beat the Clippers in that playing game. And mm-hmm. I, I think I think the Lakers could beat the Pelicans and the Clippers. Right. It won't be easy, but my gosh, they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They suck. Like they can't stop anyone. No. They score like they score 120 points, they lose by 20. It's crazy. Like and I, I don't know. It's it's hard to see, especially when LeBron is playing as good as he is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's scoring, he's scoring 30 a night, which is pretty crazy to think. It's pretty crazy. He, he basically needs to give you like 40 to 50 just for you guys to win because mm-hmm. you give up so many points. You know, he, he obviously plays next to no defense himself. But, you know, I, I think they uh, – I didn't like their offseason. You know, they let Caruso walk, which was probably the biggest mistake they could have done. He really mm-hmm. – he was such a good perimeter defender. You know, AD's been out all year, another great defender. If they would have signed DeRozan, the team would be completely different. Oh, yeah. I like, hate I, I think DeRozan would have been really good on that team with LeBron, and they went with Westbrook instead. And it's – I mean, it's not all his fault. He gets – he has picked on a lot, but the Rosen's having a great season in Chicago. That would have been a good fit. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was like uh, – at one point in the time, he was pretty much in the top five for MVP discussions, right? He was playing that well, having a great season. I wish they would have taken him. 
I, I, I mean, I wish I would have taken Buddy Heald over Westbrook yeah. at this point. And that's saying something because Buddy Heald is not <laughs> not that great either. <laughs> when I heard it, came, it was coming down to those two, I was like, my gosh, like, <laughs> give me someone else. <laughs> is is it the West for you? Is it Phoenix head and shoulders above the rest? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're so dominant. But uh, yeah. I think the I think the Grizzlies are knocking on the door. I they they really impressed they're me. They're so fun to watch the Grizzlies. I love watching yeah. them play. They're so good without Jaw too, which is mm-hmm. the crazy part, right? Yeah, you know. And I, oh, I hated. I was looking this up the other night because I about Desmond Bain. I know his draft year, he went thirtieth to the Grizzlies. The Lakers had the twenty eighth. They were interested in him. Did they take THT that year? No. no. They oh. used that pick to trade for Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough kick in the pills. Uh, <laughs> they could have had uh, Desmond Bain. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Golden State's so unknown because Curry's hurt. They're kind of banged up. I, I like the Grizzlies. On, I think Dallas is going to win a round this year. They haven't won one forever. I think if they play U- they play Utah, I think they beat Utah in a series today. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone – are there even Utah Jazz fans in the world? I I don't know. <laughs> I haven't uh, met one. I haven't met one. I don't think I ever will. I like the Mavs too. I think they could uh, go on a pretty deep playoff run. You know, it seems like they're so much better without Chris Stops. Um, yeah. They just seem to be kind of gelling better. Dorian Finney Smith playing great. You know, mm-hmm. it just seems like their role players play really well, which really helps them. And, uh, you know, obviously Luca has been a great playoff performer up to this date. I mean, he's, I think he's averaging well over 30. Mm-hmm. And he's been guarded by Paul George and Kawhi Leonard every game. Every game. Right? Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, I think they, they're bound. I think they'll win a round. I mean, depending on who they play in the second round, they might get bounced, but I, I could see them making a deep run. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to that. I think like some years NBA playoffs, you're like uh, you kind of know who's going to win it before it starts. I Phoenix, I think it's a clear cut favorite, but Memphis could do some damage in the East. I don't think there's like you're guaranteed, you know, who's going to win. Like, I think there's, I, I think it's going to be really fun. Though. Even the first round which is normally one of the worst for the NBA. I think it's going to be really entertaining this year because I don't think Minnesota is an easy out. I think they'll be tough. Like, and at least they'll be fun to watch Denver. I mean, Denver is so unfortunate for them because if they had Jamal Murray, I think that team would be really, really good, but he's not going to be back in time enough for them to really I think, get their footing. No. And uh, Michael Porter jr. Too. They're also right. missing him. Yeah. Another, you know, rising star. I, uh, and, you know, even if the Lakers make it in, I think – like, I don't think that's really a, a matchup you necessarily want either if you're mm-hmm. – I mean, I, I think the Suns will steamroll them. Uh, but, you know, you got to ha- – it has to be in the back of your head that, like, well, they have two of the top ten players in the world, you know, maybe. And they had them up 2-1 last year before Anthony Davis went down, right? So right. I think that's something to keep in the back of your head. But – I think it's crazy how bad their record is and they can still make the playoffs. Even the Spurs, like they're 29 and 44 yeah. and they're sitting there <laughs> like, Oh yeah, we could make the playoffs. <laughs> like it, 
I yeah, mean, I don't, I don't love that. the play in. I don't love it. Um, Le- LeBron has to love it after he hated it last year because it's only <laughs> making the playoffs, which is funny. But um, yeah, I agree. Like it's in the, especially in the NBA, you know the teams that are going to be in this play in. The two of them are going to be so terrible. Like that nine ten game, both teams are under five hundred by ten plus games, and it's just like okay, like should you really be playing in this game? Probably not. No, I think even they the Clippers are two games under five hundred in the eight seed. Exactly, right? Like I, I think uh, they should make some sort of rule for the play, and like if you're so far under five hundred or you're not close enough to 500, there's no playing at all. Yeah, I mean, it, it's still a race because the Lakers, they got New Orleans on Sunday. Yeah. They got to win some games because the Spurs are catching fire now. So <laughs> the, the Red Hot Spurs, uh, Hawks, <laughs> one last kick at the can trying to make the playoffs. Uh, but, Jeez. yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to go. But, um. Any big plans for for the weekend for you uh, with the kids and everything? Or uh, yeah, what do you what do you got to go this weekend? Uh, nothing too much yet. I think we got a birthday party Sunday, so you know eh, that is what it is. <laughs> Bunch <laughs> of kids running around. Right. But other than that, I don't know. Probably try to catch a few uh, hockey games. Maybe watch some March Madness. I know it's fine. I don't know your Zags got got mm-hmm. booted. Yeah, but you're into- weren't too happy about that. Well, yeah, I, I I didn't see it coming, that's for sure. Uh, but it's it's been fun. I um, Houston, I predicted I had put Houston on my my list last night, so I got them pick the winner there. But um, but yeah, I I don't know. It, it, I love the tournament. I mean, it's it's always it's always fun. So it's it's just like three weeks and it's over. But you got to enjoy the three weeks while it's here. Yeah, it's definitely the best tournament. I mean put aside maybe the world junior hockey tournament but mm-hmm. it's it's awesome to watch and i mean i don't i hardly follow college basketball at all you know and it, i want i try to watch it every year it's so much mm-hmm. fun and my bracket was busted i think within the second game it was terrible yeah but no, um, well, I know it's Friday. I know you're busy, so I appreciate you coming on and, and joining me. Uh, it's always fun, and uh, we'll do this again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, glad we got to talk some sports tonight. I can't wait to be on. Uh, Caps are playing tonight, so make sure you tune into that game Caps for a big win. <laughs> big game. Yeah. <laughs> no, have a good weekend, man, and take care. All right. Thanks. See you later. That's Walker Campbell. Uh, thanks for coming on, Walker. Always, always fun chatting with him. Um, a lot of different things, NBA, some football there. Um, but, yeah, lots coming this weekend uh, in the sports world. Talked about the back-to-back for, for the Panthers, the Leafs there. Um, we got NBA games, March Madness, uh, the match play down in San Antonio for golf. Um, so, going to catch some university women's hockey again this weekend. So, Lots on the go. Be back Monday with Matt Wright to recap all the March Madness action. So have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy. Stay safe. This has been To The Point.